Well, today, family, is the series finale of our first series of the year called It's Up. And I want to go to the book of Exodus chapter number 23. We're going to begin reading at verse number 27. And I'm excited to, to, to share and unload this word that's on my heart for us today. Verse 27 says this. God says, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Havites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become too desolate for you and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to possess the land. As we welcome in our New Jersey family, clap your hands, everybody, all over the... I want to talk from this subject in our time together. We're playing no games on the series finality. Here's the topic of today's teaching. I'm bigger than that. Clap your hands every location if you receive it. I'm bigger than that. Family, we have dubbed, designated, and declared 2024 to be the year of the upgrade. This is the year where we are anticipating us experiencing what we call spiritual quantum leaps. We believe that the scriptures are clear in communicating that God is a God that orders our steps. But I want to tell you, he is also a God that arranges our leaps. <laughs> the Bible says he makes my feet like hinds feet. And deers don't just step, they leap. And you cover more ground with leaping than you do with stepping. Yes, I just want to tell anybody and everybody who will receive it by faith, every year can be your leap year. <laughs> am I talking to anybody that's going to do some leaping this year? I said, am I talking to anyone that's going to do some leaping this year? Yeah, we say this with confidence because we have the conviction that everything that God does doesn't have to be done incrementally. God can do and will do some things exponentially. In other words, just because God is doing it big doesn't mean God has to do it slow. He can do some things big and fast. And this is the year where we are believing for big and fast. I want someone who has faith for this to release this faith confession and say, it's about to get better. <laughs> I want you to put a praise on that if you believe that it's, a, it's about to get better. That this is more than just religious rhetoric. It is more than just a church colloquialism. It is a faith confession rooted in biblical truth. We are believing for the manifestation of words prophesied by a prophet named Amos in Amos chapter 9 verse 13 where Amos says this. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. Things are going to happen so fast. Your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. 
everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains on the hills. And I want to know, is there anybody here that's believing this is my year for that? I want to be so blessed that I'm dizzy. That every time I turn around, he keeps on blessing me. I believe I'm talking to some people who have that conviction. Some people who will say, I'm not unhappy with where I am, but I'm hungry for where I'm going. Some of us are saying, I'm not even clear on where I'm going. But what I am clear on is I can't stay here. Mandy Hale puts it this way. She says, growth is painful, change is painful, but nothing is as painful as staying stuck somewhere you don't belong. And some of us are in a season where we're looking at misery, mediocrity, and mundaneness and saying, one thing I do know is I don't belong here. I don't belong broken. I don't belong broke. I don't belong unhappy. I don't belong unfulfilled. I don't belong confused because my God says that I am the head, not the tail. I'm above only, not beneath. I am the lender and not the borrower. I want somebody that's sick and tired of being sick and tired to say, I don't belong here. Now, this is you. There's something I need to share with you. I was reading Exodus 23, and I saw this, and I said, I got to share this with the family. I just need to know, do I have your permission to share this? Okay. I don't think every location responds. I said, do I have your permission to share this? Okay. Okay. Do you want me to share this with you? Do you want me to share this with you now? Do you want me to share this with you right now? Okay, here it is. Since you asked, here it is. I saw this in Exodus 23, something I affectionately entitled, The Law of Spiritual Acceleration. Here it is. How fast you go is determined by how much you grow. Yeah, I got that response at the other service too. In other words, our size determines our speed. If we get bigger, we go faster. See, I know this is counterintuitive because naturally or physically, the bigger I get, the slower I may get. But spiritually, the bigger I get, the faster I get. Darius, where'd you get this? I got it from Exodus 23. See, this story allows us to eavesdrop on a conversation that God is having with people who are experiencing an upgrade. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. Yep. They are being upgraded because they are making an exodus out of Egypt. I'm going to see who can catch this. The word exodus means exit. So an exit can be an upgrade. Y'all missed it? I said the word exodus means exit. So an exit can be an upgrade. Watch this. Because whenever God orchestrates an exit, it's actually an invitation to something better than that you exited from. Y'all missed it. In other words, God said, if I'm calling you out, I never call you out just to call you out. I call you out because I'm getting ready to take you in. 
and you may not see it yet, but you better come out. And it may not make sense to you, but you better come out because when God brings you out of Egypt, he's getting ready to take you into Canaan. It de- this book details how God orchestrates an exit for Israel out of their Egypt and how he can orchestrate an exit for us out of our Egypt. And somebody's watching right now at any location or on the, in the overflow, change global. They're saying, PD, what are you talking about? I've never been to Egypt. <laughs> well, for them, it was Egypt literally. For us, it is Egypt metaphorically. Pastor, what can Egypt represent? It can represent Watch this. I hope y'all ready for this. It can represent a place, a person, or a predicament that's either holding you back or holding you up. Let me say that one more time. Egypt can represent a place, a person, or a predicament that is holding you up or holding you back. But I believe I'm talking to some people who will say the way my life is set up and the season of life that I'm in, I refuse to be anywhere or to be with anybody that is either holding me back or holding me up. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, yeah. if you are dealing with agitation because of my Uh, Watch this. Uh, I don't know if y'all ready. If you are dealing with agitation because of my elevation, that's an indication it needs to be some separation. Why do I have to stay low for us to stay close? Why do I have to stay dysfunctional for us to stay close? Why do I have to stay unhappy for us to stay close? Why do I have to like Egypt because you like it? It doesn't mean I don't like you. It just means I don't like Egypt. I'm not mad at you for staying there and don't get mad at me for leaving. I'm on my way out. Somebody praise God like you're getting ready to step out. So in this conversation in Exodus, God's telling them, okay, I'm getting ready to take you out. But I'm also getting, I'm getting ready to take you out and I'm getting ready to take you in. But notice what he says to them. This is very interesting. I want to summarize what he says to them in Exodus 23. He says, now listen, I'm going to bring you out. But your size determines your speed. Did you hear what I said? How long it takes is not just based on how big I am. Did you hear what I just said? God is saying to them, how long it takes me to get you to your promised land, your promised life in this season. How long it takes is not just dependent on how big God is. It's dependent on how big you are. Darius, where did you see it? I see it in the text. Give me verse 30 on the screens, media, because they don't believe me. Little by little, I will drive them out. Now, watch this. Somebody's probably thinking, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like a quantum leap. 
That doesn't sound exponential. That sounds incremental. Little by little. I will drive them out. But I can't stop reading. I don't have time to bother this. Yes, I do. Here it is. He says, I'm going to drive them out before you. Please hear me. He said, before you. Before has two connotations. It means I'm going to drive them out before you get there. Or I'm going to drive them out before you. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God says, there are some things I'm going to do behind the scenes. But then there are other things I'm going to do for you right in front of your face. I'm going to let you watch me make a way. I'm going to let you watch me open the door. I'm going to let you watch me split the Red Sea. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. He said, I'm going to drive them out before you. Little by little. Watch this though. I want you to see the reasoning. I want you to see the rationale. I want you to see the part they play. Watch verse 30. It says, I'm going to drive them out before you until you. Until you have increased enough. Whenever you get big enough. Whenever you get to the right size, then you can seize it. He says, but you asking me to bring you into something you don't have the size for. <laughs> Good God Almighty. And I know we live in a season where everybody's saying my bank account needs to get bigger and my brand needs to get bigger and my following needs to get bigger and my influence needs to get bigger. And God's like, with what I'm getting ready to take you into, you need to get bigger. And if you get bigger, the bank account will get bigger. If you get bigger, the brand will get bigger. If you get bigger, then the influence will get bigger. He says, he says, I, I, got to, I got to make sure you've increased enough because the promised land is an opportunity, but there are ops inside the opportunity. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? And there are many people who want the opportunity but can't handle the ops. And you're like, God, why are you holding up the opportunity? And God's like, I'm not holding up the opportunity because you can't handle the opportunity. I'm holding up the opportunity because you can't handle the ops. You can't handle the rumors. You can't handle the criticism. You can't handle the jealousy. You can't handle the insecurity. You can't handle how your intimidation causes somebody else to deal with some agitation because they're dissatisfied by their own transformation. You, you want the opportunity, but you've got to be big enough to handle the ops. And God says, I want to upgrade you because the size that you need to be is tied to what I've called you to seize. 
So don't be agitated by how big God's requiring you to become. Be appreciative of how big God's requiring you to become. Because how big he's requiring you to become is an indication of the size of what you're getting ready to seize. And I believe we're in a season where God is shifting and he's saying, I'm no longer giving big opportunities to people who have a little size. Did you hear what I just said? Now watch this. So this means, guys, this means something that there are enemies or obstacles that we must be willing to address and overthrow if we're going to experience upgrades. And many people's problem is this. They're waiting on the obstacles to get smaller. What if I told you that maybe we should shift our prayers and stop praying for it to get smaller and start praying for me to get bigger? Did you hear what I just said? Is there anybody who's willing to say, Lord, just make me bigger? Yeah, if you refuse to make it smaller, make me bigger. Why? Because the promised land that God was bringing them into is a metaphor for the promised life. He wants to bring us into the enemies that they had to overthrow in the Old Testament are enemies, uh, are metaphors for enemies we need to overthrow in the New Testament. So each group of enemies that's listed in the text can symbolize enemies that we need to address and overthrow to experience an upgrade. And there are three people groups specifically mentioned in the text that I read. The Havites. The Canaanites and the Hittites. Havites, interesting enemy. See, when Israel crossed the Jordan River and began their conquest of Canaan, the nearby inhabitants, including the Havites, were alarmed and realized that Israel posed a threat to them. So these people people of Gideon, which was a Havite city, devised a plan to deceive the Israelites. They disguised themselves as travelers from a foreign land. So they wore old clothing. They carried worn out provisions like molded bread and cracked wineskins. And they presented themselves to Joshua and the leaders of Israel as emissaries seeking a peace treaty. So instead of Joshua doing investigation, he made an oath with people he thought he knew that he didn't because they were presenting themselves one way did you hear what I just said they were presenting themselves one way I don't have time to bother this yes I do they were they were they were presenting themselves one way but they were another but watch this they 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 don't meet people like this when they were in Egypt They have these kind of problems in Egypt. In Egypt, they knew who the Egyptians were. <laughs> they knew the Hebrew people and they knew the Egyptian people. It was very clear. They didn't have to worry about people trying to exploit them in Egypt. Because they had nothing to exploit. 
Did you hear what I just said? The ops look like ops in Egypt. Y'all not talking to me today. Jesus said that you got to beware because there are some people who come dressed in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Are they attaching to me just to attach to me? Are they? <laughs> they, didn't, they, they didn't have these problems in Egypt. And so every time you deal with a hard Havite season, I want you to remember you prayed for this. Good God Almighty, because there is no such thing as a problem-free life. The only thing you do from one level to, a, to the next is exchange problems. So here it is. Israel formed an oath impulsively. So the, are y'all ready for this? So the Havites family represent an enemy we must get bigger than. That's the enemy of impulsiveness. Proverbs 14, 29 says, he who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly, foolishness. Impulsiveness makes a wise person do unwise things. Let me say that one. Yeah. Impulsiveness, come on, will cause, watch this, a smart person to do silly things. Uh, impulsiveness, watch this, is the tendency to act quickly without sufficient thought or consideration of the consequences. Am I making sense here? Im impulsiveness. Now, I want you to catch this now. Are y'all ready for this? I said, are y'all ready? Can I teach the Bible? All right, here it is. I don't know if y'all, here it is. Impulsiveness has a parent. And the parent of impulsiveness is impatience. Impatience is the womb that gives birth to the baby of impulsiveness. I don't act impulsively unless I'm dealing with impatience. And impatience, come on here, uh, impatience is a disregard for the law of sowing and reaping. Here's what the Bible says about that law. As long as the earth remains, there is seed, there is time, and then there's harvest. Impatience wants to go from seed to harvest. Did you hear what I just said? Not realizing that there is seed, there is time, and there is harvest. And when you try to skip steps, impatience and impulsiveness give birth to something else called Ishmael. And Ishmael is the blessing you made and not the blessing God made for you. Y'all missing it? 
There are two characters in the Old Testament named Abraham and Sarah. They were in old, they were old age, and they were unable to conceive children. So Sarah tells Abraham, we've got a maidservant named Hagar. Why don't we use her as a surrogate? And Abraham said, if you insist. And so here it is. They give birth to Ishmael. But they do it after they got a word. Y'all missed it. So here they are. They, are. they are trying to use human effort to bring a prophetic promise to pass. And so Ishmael, Ishmael represents the fruit of their impatience. It's the one they made instead of waiting on the one God made for them. And I want to know, am I talking to anybody that will say, I want Isaac. Ishmael is the blessing I try to make. Isaac is the blessing he's made for me. And if you wait on Isaac, I want to tell you, Isaac will be worth the wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings as eagles. They'll run and get, not get weary. They'll walk and not faint. Impulsiveness. You're too smart for that. And you've come this far with that. But in this season, you got to get bigger than that. Did you hear what I just said? I wonder, I always wonder, why did, what, what are some of the reasons, like it took David so long between the time he was anointed and the time he actually occupied um, the, the, the throne? I'm like, man, it took a while. And then I, I realized David was a bit temperamental. A man after God's own heart. But it did not eradicate the impulsiveness. So God said, like, I got to give you a little time. Because you're going to the palace, but watch this. A person you looked up to is going to turn into an op. Because ops don't always start off being ops. The same man that promoted you, Saul, (laughs) is going to become the same man that throws spears at you. And David, the way you set up right now, you love me, but you will throw it back. So I got to give you a little more time. For me to work that out of you because throwing spears back when you're not the king has one set of implications but throwing spears back when you are the king has another set of implications so i need to make sure i work this out of you before you get to a season where this damages you in a way it hadn't damaged you i feel this prophetic unction and warning you can't keep doing that whatever that that is You can't keep doing that in this season. Impulsiveness. It'll make us say something in a second that'll follow us for a season. Every decision is pregnant with the potential to produce a season. I can do it in a second. I got to deal with it for a season. Impulsiveness. Is sowing seed for a harvest I don't want in the future. 
Am I making sense? There, There are some people that are upset with reputations that they sowed seed for. Did you hear what I just said? So in this season, I got to arrest him. See, you can't, you can't keep revisiting what you can't revise. So you can't, at this point, you can't control if it could be said of you. You can control if it can be said of you now. Impulsiveness. You got to be bigger than that. In this season, one wrong move, one wrong tweet. Y'all not talking to me. I got to be bigger than the hot tights. Number two, I got to be bigger, y'all ready for this, than the Canaanites. The Canaanites represent the enemy of improper priorities. There were certain sects of the Canaanites that would literally take their babies and they would sacrifice their babies on a hot burning altar to a god called Malek. It's like you putting the wrong thing on the altar. And you can't experience an upgrade. You, we can't go from Egypt to Canaan if you keep sacrificing the wrong thing. Now, can pastor ask you something? Come on, do you give me permission to ask you something? When are you going to get around to you? You keep getting around to everybody else. And, and some of that's going to require some religious undoing because some of us incorrectly assume that getting around to me is selfishness when it's actually good stewardship. Here's what the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And when the word it uses for love, there's talking about agape. Because it's saying you can't show agape to someone else if you don't. Now, you can have eros for somebody else and not love yourself. Right? That's how, you can, that's how people can stay in relationships where they aren't loved back well. Because they don't love themselves right. But they really, they, they are in love with what's killing them softly. Because I can eros without loving myself. I can phileo brotherly love without love. But I can't show agape, which is an unconquerable benevolence. It is my willingness to seek the highest good for you. No matter what you do to me. It means I love you more than the relationship. So it means that I won't let you, I won't sit silently while you sabotage you just to keep you. It means I love you enough that I'll hurt your feelings to spare your future. Speak the truth in agape. And sometimes people say, you know, well, I didn't say that because I'm trying to spare them. Really? Or were you really trying to spare yourself from discomfort? But it's easier to say, I'm trying to spare them. Are you trying to spare their feelings or are you trying to spare the way you feel when they don't have good feelings? It's improper priorities. We're putting the wrong thing on the altar. Some of you, put, we're putting our health on the altar. Improper priorities. 
our physical health on the altar, our mental health on the altar. What does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world but lose your soul? How much is peace worth for you? Darius, how much are you going to do? As much as I can do without putting the wrong thing on the altar. When I have to put the wrong thing on the altar, that's as much as I'm doing. Because if you don't have a standard, you're for sale. Being for sale isn't just about money. It could be about opportunity. It can be about access. It could about, be about relationship. We have to have standards. We say, I don't put this on the altar. I'm not going to sacrifice my relationship with God. In the book of Malachi, chapter number one, the Bible addresses this. Malachi says, a son honors a father, a slave, his master. If I'm a father, where's the honor due to me? If I'm a master, where's the respect due to me, says the Lord Almighty. It's you priests who show contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? He says, by offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals as a sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? If you really believe that's okay, try offering that to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? God is using Malachi to speak to priests and to people. And to say to them, we don't feel the same way about our relationship. A relationship's uncensored this past weekend in Jersey. We coming to you Friday uh, night. I told a story about when my pastor first met my wife and I, and he asked us to rank our marriage one to ten. Ten being great, one being struggling. I gave an eight. Pastor Mika gave a three. So we're in the same relationship, but we don't feel the same way. And God uses Malachi to say, hey, Y'all think we at an eight. I'm at a three. Because you got me in your life. But I'm not first. And because I'm not desperate, I don't share. Your heart is a throne, not a couch. And if you got somebody else sitting there, I won't. So my question is not, is just God in my life, but is he first? And he's trying to help these people see that their actions are showing them who's first. See, this is what they were doing. When it came time for giving, they would go out in the backyard and they would get the sheep that was limping and had three legs. They'd get the sheep that was blind running in the other sheep. And they would bring that and sacrifice that. And then they'd take the best sheep to the market so they could get the most money for it. And so, and they okay with it. They come into church each week shouting. And God's like, really? He says, if you really believe that's okay, do it to the government. He said, well, <laughs> help me preach then. I'm done. And here it is, Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom first, and all these things will be added. 
God's like, when I'm not first, what you're living in is mercy and grace. And you're calling it blessing. And if mercy and grace is this good, can you imagine what blessing is like? The final enemy is the Canaanites, which represent, I mean, uh, the Hittites, which represent the enemy of infections. These were very jaded people. They were hurt. They were hostile. They were under frequent attack. And so they projected that suspicion on Israel. So they were hurting. Am I making sense? Because they were hurt people. They were people that hurt others. This is the equivalent of being bit by a snake. That's the injury. But you don't die from snake bite. You die from poison. And all of us have dealt with some injuries in the past. The question is, even though I couldn't prevent the injury, am I willing to handle my infection? To say, I can't keep letting what got in me in that season follow me in every season. I got to be bigger than that. And this is a season where God's saying, I need you to get bigger. Lord, make me bigger. So that it could be said of me as it was said of the early church, these are they that have turned the world upside down. Clap your hands if you receive this word.